0: Man, I love your pastor. He's amazing, isn't he? Give your pastor a big hand, would you? He's the one that serves you week after week. Now, while you're clapping, give a big clap of praise to the Lord Almighty, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, our King. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm I'm not enough unless you come. But he's here, so we are enough. Wow, you got weak on me. I said, but he's here... So you are enough. Yeah, Yeah. look at somebody and say, you're enough. Yeah, when I get done, you'll have had enough of me, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. The title of my sermon today is, Why Would God Send Me? I think we can all identify with that, probably, right? Why would God send me? For those of you that don't know, I'm originally from the state of Missouri. So I use funny words that you may not be used to, like, y'all. But my wife tells me as long as I don't say urins, I'll be okay. Um, I love to have fun. I'm naturally a loud guy. I do not think you have to shout to preach, but I will probably shout. Whether it's a football game, a family get-together, or church, I will probably shout. So just be ready for that. Amen? Amen. Thank you again, Pastor Tom, for inviting us and allowing us to become a part of your your fellowship here and, and your pastor's conference, it's been just an amazing experience for us. Um, and meeting your wife, Alice, God bless you. It's uh, such a joy um, to be here. And I honor it. I don't take it lightly. I don't tread on it lightly. I'm, I'm very honored and God bless you. I'm, I'm happy to be here with you. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of First John chapter 1 and verse 5. Um, it's a mission conference, but I'm not going to give my mission spiel. I'm just going to preach because he's enough. Can you say amen? First John, John Chapter 1 and verse 5 says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Can we just take a minute to celebrate the fact that there is no darkness in him at all? that he's just goodness, he's just light, he's just mercy and grace and glory and beauty and wonder, that is the God that we serve. Therefore, I think that is the God that we should reflect. Amen? But if we walk in the light, excuse me, verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship, now this word fellowship comes from the Greek word that means partnership. Can I tell you that I like that better to say partnership, because I have had fellowship with a lot of people, and a lot of people are willing to have fellowship as long as you're the fellow and their ship. But partnership is a joining together, to to do things together, right? A a co-union, if you would. So if we say that we have partnership with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have partnership with one another. You see, you see the transition? If we say we have fellowship but walk in darkness, we, we're just lying. But if we truly have partnership with him, suddenly we, we find partnership together. We become one with him, therefore one with another in him. And isn't that really what missions is about? Isn't that what mission conferences are about? How we can become one as a church, united with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who have a mission to accomplish, and we join together in the Spirit of God, in the union of God, in the direction and will of God to bring that to pass all over the earth. Oh, and this other little thing here, that's, that's pretty good. He says and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin if i will if i will focus on being in his light he will take care of the rest what a, what a, what an invitation what a promise what glory is evident amen When we just walk in the light with Jesus, just being obedient, letting Him lead, letting Him direct, saying, yes, Lord. And then not only is is that fellowship going to bring a cleansing in my life, but it's going to accomplish God's purpose upon the earth. Isn't that what we pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In John chapter 8, it tells us a beautiful story. Um, it tells us about a woman like most of us who is known for her mistakes. We don't know her name. She's just the the woman caught in the act. Right? And so they bring her before Jesus with accusation and saying, you know, hey, the law says, you know, we're to stone her. Jesus, Jesus done to them what he does to most of my accusers. He just ignores it. Right? We want God to do something, and why don't he stop them? you know what, you're big enough to take it. After all, you're enough because he's with you, right? So he's drawing in the dirt and pretty soon he, he looks up just long enough. You know, I, I always apply my own self to scripture a lot of times. It's, it's not accurate. It's just my heart. I'm like, oh, yeah, he probably just got tired of it. So he says, let him that has no sin cast the first stone. And then goes right back to drawing on the ground. And pretty soon they drop their rocks and they all leave one by one. Ironically, the only person there that day that had the right to throw a stone was the one who chose not to. Christ was the only one who had no sin. And he says, woman, where are thine accusers? And she says, I, I have none. He says, I accuse you neither. Neither. And you gotta, you got you to gotta understand what's about to happen. This brought such clarity to my heart and to my spirit. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh. It says all things were made through him, and without him was nothing made. The same voice that walked into the void and said, let there be light, and light exploded into the universe, is the same voice that said, go your way. And sin no more and the grace that was released at the fellowship of his voice entering into her heart Allowed her life to be changed forever Can I tell you you cannot encounter the living God and not be changed forever? Faith comes by hearing but hearing by the word when you come into fellowship with him what he releases to your spirit changes you forever that's the power of the light Can you say amen? Amen. In verse 12, he says, Then then spoke Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Man, what a promise that God gave in that moment. He brought deliverance to this world woman who was being persecuted he set her free and gave her grace to live a new life and then turns and says i am the light of the world he that walks in me will not walk in darkness but have the light of life that means when we follow jesus his direction his leadership his word spoken into our heart it creates light in our life that we then are allowed to release into the world bringing light to every darkness and every situation and as I reflected on that, and I thought, well, you know, what is it like being Jesus and being the light of the world? What, is that, what does that look like? And I realized Jesus doesn't wait till Sunday to be light. He doesn't wait for service, he doesn't wait for the, the right preacher or the right denomination or the right situation. He actually just brings light to every situation he enters into because that is his identity. And can I tell you that when Jesus begins to establish himself in our identity, we become the light of the world that's just going to release light in every situation. We... Yeah, go ahead. Come on. This is not good job, Dave. This is I accept that for myself, right? That's what your clapping means. You're identifying with it. Amen. So um, he goes into a picnic and then just drops the beatitude on a whole bunch of people, right? Hey, since you all are here, let me just be light a minute and change the way you look at everything, right? We, 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 we sit home and we think about mission. Raise your hand if you're a missionary here today, if you're part of the, yeah, look at that, awesome. Can we give them a hand clap? Thank you so much for all that you do. You are the light of the world, Amen. And we think about the things that they do, and then, oh man, how are we? You know what they're doing? They're just being the light in every situation that they're in. And that, that changes hearts, changes towns, changes nations. And that's really what God has called us to do: to change the world. Not we meaning the missionaries, we meaning you. Look at somebody and say, He's talking to you. Right? Because I am. I'm talking to every one of you. It's not somebody else's job. Somebody died. We no longer have anybody named somebody. We're now all responsible to be that light, right? Jesus goes to a picnic and he drops the Beatitudes. He went to a funeral and raised the dead? Wow. He, He went to a party, to a wedding, and then just turns the water into wine. So the party can continue. Why I mean, when I was a kid, you know, you were ooh, they got on their soapbox and they told you not to drink wine because you. Jesus turned the water into wine just so the party could continue. Why? Because Jesus is against shame. He's against condemnation, and he didn't want this family to be ashamed of the wedding. He wanted it to be a, a joyful, jubilant uh, uh, party. And, and 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 you know, when Jesus shows up to the party. I mean, he makes the party real. Can you say amen? I know some of your religious spirits are popping up right now. Like, I don't know if I like that. You know what? Be healed and delivered in Jesus' name. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus does not want them to have shame because shame is not a weapon. The church has got to come to the place, and I'm not saying your particular church, but the body of Christ in the world has to come to the place where we understand that shame is not a tool that God uses, it was a tool of Satan in the garden. It was born in the midst of calamity. Jesus come to destroy the works of the devil, to remove and defeat all shame and condemnation, and set us free so that the, the goodness of the Lord would lead people to repentance. I, I love that. He goes to the picnic, and then he decides, you know what, we need to feed them. They're hungry. It's like, man, we could work a long time, not make enough money to feed this group of people. He says there's 5,000 men and their families. It doesn't even count the women and children. But yet when God wants to meet the need, he finds a little boy who doesn't even get counted. And he brings his basket. His little picnic lunch, as small as it is. You see, men didn't count him, but God did. I'm so thankful even when I don't get counted by men, God is taking note. <laughs> my, my, my agenda, my, my, my list in heaven, my, I'm, that's not the right word, but you know what I'm trying to say. My account in heaven is overflowing. My treasure is being laid up there because men might miss me, but God never will. Even if my picnic basket seems insignificant, I mean, what's, what's, what's five little barley biscuits and two little fishes with so great a need. What is, what is my little tithe compared to the need of the world? What is, what is my resource? I was, I was listening to the missionaries and, and having such good time, and I don't come to just you know give. I, I, I really glean from people, and I was, I was listening. It took, it took well, I wrote it down, I said it earlier and forgot 25 tons of paint to do one coat on the mercy ship. Do you have, I mean, we built a new sanctuary and painted it, and I could not believe what we spent on paint. We were on our knees believing for paint. Can you imagine what 25 tons of paint takes? It seems too great for my insignificance. I'm not enough. Unless he comes. And suddenly, we are able to accomplish We wouldn't have been able to dream that we could accomplish. Can anybody say amen to that? Right? Because he comes and he takes our little baskets and our little offerings and your little offerings and and what you donate and what you give and what others donate and what others give and none of it is insignificant. All of it becomes the resources that God uses to change a world, to change nations. And as the light of the world, that's what we are called to do. You see, it only took 11 disciples to change the whole known world in just a few years. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Again, there's more than 11 in this building. There's more than 11 people who will give resources. There's more than 11 people to pray. There's more than 11 people in here that can preach and prophesy and shake heaven and and, and bring heaven to earth. There's more than 11 here. So let's decide today, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the power of God, we will do it again. Oh, but you know what the problem is? We're so distracted by the darkness. We forget we're light. Let me prove it. Well, we're, we're not enough to do that. What do you mean? You're distracted by the darkness. Well, you know, the world is just, it's really bad right now. and It's supposed to be this way. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says they come to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say that you're uh, Elias or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say that I am? Can I ask you a question? And you've probably heard it a thousand times. But who do you think Jesus is? So Peter said, thou art the Christ. You are the anointed one. The son of the living God. And Jesus says, Simon, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father which is in heaven. This is a revelation from the Spirit of God. He says, And upon this rock, upon the revelation of who I am, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. What is the purpose of a gate? Gate is a barrier. You put, up, you, 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 you put up a fence around your property and you put a gate there to protect what you have. You see, we're all running around like the devil's trying to invade our territory when God sent us to invade his. He said, kick open the gates, go into the enemy's territory, win the lost, heal the sick, raise the dead. Right? I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Go and defeat the enemy. If you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. And we live in a church age where too much of the church is so concerned about what the enemy's doing and what darkness is and how bad it, you know, it's just only going to get worse. Not in my house, it ain't. Not in my town, it ain't. The enemy wants to do that. He's first going to have to defeat me. And that's going to be pretty hard when all I got to do is resist him and he's got to flee. Right? He's, he's, he's got to first beat the strong man to take my house. And the strong man that holds my house has never been defeated and can never be defeated. He is the Lord God Almighty. There is no other like him. There is no one beside him. He is God and God alone. This, this is the warrior heart that the church needs for this hour. They set a new season. Well, you know, it's a new normal. You ask any missionary, is it a new normal? No, it ain't a new normal. We've been overcoming every obstacle to keep us from spreading the gospel and, and building churches all over the world all of our lives. This isn't a new normal. I'm used to overcoming stuff. So it, it's just time to focus back on the light. And, and I, they, the, our, the country we was in has had shut down the church entirely for about nine months, made it illegal to have church. And they were arresting people and giving $5,000 fines and two years in prison. Everybody was on Facebook ranting and raving about how the government is persecuting the church. And the the government was responding by making snide remarks about the church and religion. And so I I didn't say much through it all except one time I got on and I said, they think threatening us is going to stop us. Our heroes are martyrs and prisoners. We will prevail. But that has to be the faith in our heart that rises and says we will prevail. There is a a revival, I believe, is coming that is going to change what we have learned to expect from God and to broaden our expectations abundantly. But there has to come this revelation that we are the light of the world. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5 and verse, I'm sorry, let us, yeah, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, he says, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You are the light. Look at somebody and say, you are the light. You are the light. Quit looking at everybody else to do it. It's time to get up and do it. Is that too bold? Can I say that without making you mad? I get to leave when I'm done. And, and, and Pastor Tom will love you through whatever I leave behind. You may not invite me back, but that's okay. I'm going to do what I know. You are the light. But, you know, Ezekiel chapter 47 is a beautiful passage of prophetic scripture, not just about Christ, but, but the anointing that's released through Christ. And it says that, um, there's a river of living water hmm. that flows from the temple of God and it flows over the threshold and it flows out to the east. And everywhere it goes, it brings life. That the dead things come back to life. That the trees will blossom and produce. That the fish will be multiplied. That means a lot to a fisher of men, doesn't it? The fish will be multiplied. Okay? Okay? This river of living water that's coming forth from the throne of God to bring life, to bring healing, to, to bring increase. Now, we turn to the New Testament and he said, no, you're not. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. What, a, what an amazing picture that out of our John chapter 7, I think, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living. It's either 4 or 7, you can check on me on huh? The other one is a spring bubbling up, sorry, flowing from your belly. So there's this glorious picture that the power and anointing and glory of God is going to flow from our bellies and bring life to everything that it touches. But what good does it have to have that if we're not going to let it flow? What good is it to have the river of living water if you're not going to get people around you wet, right? Splash off on people a little bit. Years ago, I, I, I'm getting a little distracted, I didn't say this in the first search, so you get something special, but years ago, my kids and I um, were in Walmart, they, my kids wanted a pet and we traveled all the time, and how many knows that dogs and cats are really hard to keep if you're traveling all the time? And so I made this genius idea that I would buy my kids a goldfish from Walmart, <laughs> right? And so we go to Walmart and my kids pick out the fish that they want and they come over and she takes a bag and she fills it full of water. And I, she said, we have to get water from the tank because that's their environment that they're used to living in. And so then she dips in two little fish and puts them in the baggie. And then she ties the little plastic bag up and hands it to me. And my, my, my little son goes, I want to carry it. And I'm like, no, I don't think that's a good idea. We want to get them home alive. So we, we go and we pay and we're walking out and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of weight of responsibility because the lives of these two little fish, not that these fish mean much to me, but they already mean a lot to my children. The lives of these two little fish are held within the confines of this, this thin little plastic bag and if anything happens and it pops, these fish are going to die and my kids are going to cry and then the whole thing was pointless. And as we're walking out, I felt the spirit of the Lord's tell me that's exactly where most Christians are. And I thought, what? What do you mean? Well, they like their little environment that they don't want you to disturb. They got their comfort zone, right? He says, they come Sunday morning and they get filled up. And then they spend all week trying to keep somebody from popping their bag. Because, you know, you, you, you get, is it okay if I walk a little bit? You guys are Okay you get out of, out of service and then you, you, you go to the back and somebody says, what'd you do to your hair? <laughs> Maybe you make it all the way home, you know, and then the kids have destroyed something. <laughs> or if you get lucky and make it all through Sunday, still feeling good and rejoicing because worship was amazing, they sang my song, Pastor Tom preached exactly what I needed today, they are a great church, they gave me what I needed. Monday morning comes around, (laughs) and Mondays are Mondays for everybody. Can I get an amen? (laughs) And so you're walking around all week, probably depleted, dry, hungry, and we rush back to church Sunday morning, please fill up my bag, and God is saying, I have placed a river of living water that would flow from your bellies that you could feast from and have life and give life to those at work and give life to the one that insulted your hair and give life to the one that gossiped about you instead of hating and despising and running, saying, God, can you please smite them? You can speak life and truth and be light to them and they can be changed by you. Anybody grow up in church? I grew up in church, like literally grew up in church. And the songs that we sing as kids, we never put into life, like hide it under a book. Oh no, hide it under a bushel. Oh no, I'm not gonna. But then we get 15 or 16 or 12 or whatever the age we allow the enemy to allow the spirit of fear and intimidation to come and rest upon us. And somebody's like, "Are you a Christian?" Well, uh, we go to church. And sometimes we're 45 or 55 or 65 before finally we let God take the bushel off to hold up the light and say a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. I am the light of the world. The glory, the power, the anointing of God rests upon my life and moves through me. And I change the atmosphere when I walk in. I I don't go anywhere alone, even when I'm by myself. I have an entire entourage, goodness and mercy Follow me all the days of my life. Ministering spirits go in before me. The Lord God Almighty, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, they all dwell within my heart. When I walk in, it's already crowded. Can, Can I tell you, if we would adopt these revelations and attitudes, if this would become our perception, it would change the way we approach the world. It would change the way we let our light shine. We wouldn't wouldn't hide it under a basket. We'd we'd lift it up for all the world to see. Are you a Christian? You bet I'm a Christian. He changed every part of my life. He made me whole. He redeemed me. He took away all of my sin and shame. He gave me boldness and confidence, and and the glory of God shines in me. Absolutely, I'm a Christian. I got a little distracted. Sorry, I started preaching for a minute. But we get so distracted by the fear of darkness that suddenly the city is hid and we're not not being that light. And I believe God in this hour is calling our light to shine like never before. If the church doesn't choose to love one another anyway, I don't care what your opinion is on a mask. I love you anyway. I don't care what your opinion is on a vaccination or COVID. I love you anyway, I embrace you, I care about you, I stand with you and I pray for you. We are partners in the Kingdom of God along with Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. If we would lead the way, because who else is going to? Who else is going to lead the way back to unity in this nation? And every other nation. Who else is going to lead the way back to letting love shine and letting the people become one? Right? I, I, was, I was telling a story in, in the first service. When I was a kid, you know, I, I mentioned, sorry, let me back up so you're not confused. I know what I'm saying. But all of those people who had their stones and were ready to cast them at this woman all had sin right? The only difference between a hypocrite and a real Christian is whether or not they're willing to throw a rock. Because we all have sin. I can prove it over and over in scripture. We've all failed and fallen short. If any man says he has sin, he's a liar. and does not have the truth in him. Hello? Am I preaching to anybody? So, so Jesus tells them, whoever has no sin, cast the first stone, they all drop the rocks and all the hypocrites walk away. When I was a kid, there was a game called Hungry, Hungry Hippo. You may not remember the game, but you might remember the commercial because, man, that was really catchy. Hungry, Hungry Hippo. Anybody? I'm not the only idiot in here, right? Okay. And I thought, man, what a perfect description of some churches. Because everybody has sin, but as soon as they find sin in somebody's life, everybody just wants to devour them. That's shame. That's condemnation. That's... I've known missionaries that do missions that way. They go to show everybody their sin instead of the glorious light of Jesus Christ who cleanses us from all unrighteousness and can take that sin, wash it away, make you whole, and give you the, the, the grace and ability not to. Grace is not the excuse for sin. It's the power to overcome it, to remove it and never have to live in it again. This is a good news, a gospel, a glorious message that Jesus come to do it all for you. We have that within us to share. Amen? Let's share it. But, so, in John 15 and 8, he says, By this my Father is glorified, that ye bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. We prove we are disciples of God by the fruit that we bear. By bringing the lost to the Lord. By bringing deliverance to the captive. By bringing healing to the hurt and the wounded. It brings our Father glory to produce much fruit. This is the focus that we must have if we're going to be the light. And he said, you are the light. So let's focus on the fruit. Instead of being so distracted by the darkness... Because when the, distract, the, the darkness distracts you, your, your little picnic basket, whatever, you know, some of you might have a lot bigger picnic basket than I know of, and that's okay. God bless you for sharing a big picnic. Go ahead. Pay for the whole picnic. I'm happy for that. My point is, it's easy to think that what we're doing is insignificant because the darkness is so great. But you know it. The only way to remove darkness is to turn on the light. That's it. That's all it takes. It's When we're really spiritually minded, we will stand in the darkness and we will rail and we will pray and we will cast out darkness and we will pour oil all over our entire house and we'll do every spiritual thing but just turning on the light. We'll gather together as a family and have a prayer meeting to get our neighbor saved but never go turn on the light. We will pray for the nations of the world but never go turn on the light and have you seen the Facebook meme that says you shouldn't lean on a shovel and pray for holes? Dig, baby. Dig! It's time to dig. How about this? My face doesn't say, "God send somebody to dig. My face says, "Lord, you have called me to dig holes." And I can dig. Right? I may not be called to go to a nation, but I can sponsor somebody that it is, and when I get to heaven, I'll stand before the throne and receive a reward for everything they accomplished because I was a part of it. In fact, if I support five missionaries, I get to be a part of... Don't worry, I'm not raising funds in this. I don't know if you all know this or not, but I didn't come here to raise funds. I'm, that's not why I'm here. I, I come here to share the truth. But, but we don't like to talk about money. It's uncomfortable. We don't like to talk about going on mission trips because nobody wants to be the guy who's praying for gas so he can get to that village and win the loss, right? Right? But but do you know that the people that have those experiences are the people who have the greatest blessing, the greatest relationship, the greatest joy in their their service to the Lord? Because in critical moments of faith, when God comes through, he is revealed like nowhere else in life. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works. And they glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That's Matthew 5, 16. This is the direction that God is giving. Let your light. He's telling you, let your light so shine before men. Not before the church. We can all be holy in here. Everybody can raise their hand and dance and praise in here. But that's not what he's saying. Let your light so shine before the men of this world. That they see your good works and the ungodly recognize that only God and you could bring this to pass. And they begin to give glory to God. And they are transformed by the life that you live. Whether, whether we're talking about the missions of our, of our neighborhood and maybe the block that we live on. Whether we're talking about the, the, the mission of our city. Whether we're talking about the mission of our, of our state. Whether we're talking about the mission of our country. God does not know borders. So if you want to stop at the American border, God will just keep going. Will you go with him? Will you let your light so shine? Amen? Amen? But I come back to the question: why would God send me? Can I tell you something? It's, it's the presence of darkness that causes us to ask that question. I don't mean your demonic spirits are all over you or nothing like that. But see, the, the shame and condemnation of not being more makes me wonder, why why would God send me? Not, not the hope and truth of Jesus who's in you that says, I'm enough, and together we can change the world. Right? I, I heard about Dr. Parker who's been 30, what what'd she say, 35 years he's been on the mission, on Mercy ship, changing lives. And, and it would be real easy for me to think, well, I can't do that. I'm not a doctor. I can't, I can't operate and save people's lives. But he didn't call me to be Dr. Parker. He didn't call you to be Dr. Parker. He called you to let your light shine wherever you are. To be a witness unto him that would change the lives around you. And then maybe when you begin to change lives around you, then God might call you somewhere farther. He may not. That's his choice, not ours. Our choice is whether or not we're going to obey. And let me tell you a little secret about Christianity. Are you ready? Ready? Miracles happen in the midst of obedience. That's it. It's just God said to do this or say this and then we obey. He is the living miracle that makes all of these things happen. We don't have to take credit for it and we certainly don't have to carry around a pressure oh I got to raise the dead. I don't have to raise the dead. He's the one that gives life. All I have to do is walk in obedience and let it flow that river of living water in whatever situation I'm in. Whether it's the cashier at Walmart, somebody that's pumping gas, whether it's, it's, it's going to church and finding that one person that doesn't seem like they're connected and fitting in and just choosing to love them because Jesus wants them in church and Jesus wants to know that, them to know that they're accepted so I can be the hands and feet and the voice of God and I can love them. Thank you. One faithful soul. The rest of y'all, I hope you make it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> just kidding. How, how do I be the light? Let me tell you a story. So years ago, um, even before my kids were born, I was working at a lumber yard, and we had a young man named Travis, and Travis was a, a really easy kid to get along with, and I really like I call him a kid because we were kids back then. He was only two or three years younger than me, but I was already pastoring, and I really liked this, this guy, Travis, and we were kind of hit it off. And so one day, Travis comes up to me, and he's all upset. I mean, he's in a rage because this lady that we worked with had stolen a couple of his customers. Now, we didn't get paid commissions, but at evaluation time, they would track your sales, and your raise was based on that. So he was all upset because he felt like she was doing him dirty. And, 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 and in that moment, I think I just felt the, the, the leading, the nudging of the Holy Spirit. And I just said, You know, Travis, she just needs Jesus. And then I turned around and went back to work. That was all I said. So a few months go by, and I noticed that Travis had been asking me questions. He'd come up one day and asked me what Bible interpretation to read, and I told him I, I use the R&V, you know, the redneck version. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I told him he needed to find something he could understand first, and so he, he, he started reading his Bible, and he asked me a few questions, and then one day he comes up to me at work, and he says, hey, um, Dave, I... I've been going to this church in Goodman and been going there for a while and the, the, the pastor asked me if I would give my testimony to the youth. Would, would you come on Wednesday night? And I said, absolutely, absolutely, 100%. I'll support you. So I made some phone calls and had somebody from the church cover my midweek service and, and I drove to Goodman that night. Travis got up to give his testimony and I was all kind of like, this is going to be cool. So Travis begins to tell everybody how In high school, he had um, met a young lady and they had gotten together and and they moved in together and they had a child and then the relationship didn't work out and she left and took the child and wouldn't let him see the child and he didn't have money for a lawyer and different things and, and he was falling into depression and in his depression, he started to abuse alcohol and then drugs And life had gotten so bad, he was barely able to make it to work and hide the fact that he was a drug addict and an alcoholic. And the shame and things on his life had just brought him to the place where he was ready to. He had decided that that night he was just going to go get a gun and kill himself. And so he came to work, and one of the ladies at work had stolen his customers. And he went to me because he knew I was a nice guy and he thought I would sympathize with him. And he, and he come to me and he said what he said. He said, I told her that, see, this and that. And he says, do you remember what you said? And honestly, in front of the whole church, I had to say, no. Because it wasn't as impactful to me. I just had a nudge from the Holy Spirit. And I only am telling you this story because he reminded me of it or else I might have never remembered it. He said, you looked at me and you said, she just needs Jesus. And you turned and walked away and something in my heart rose up and said, so do I. And he went to church that night and he gave his heart to the Lord and God healed him and cleansed his life and took away the drugs and the alcohol. And gave him the strength and the opportunity to get back into a place where he could see his child. And life had come to a place where he was rejoicing and living every day for Jesus and the joy of the Lord. Great story, right? But remember, all I did was just point to Jesus on instinct, without even thinking about it, I just pointed to Jesus. He is the light. And if you will point to Him, He will change lives. If you will open up your mouth and just declare His name, He will change lives. It's not your responsibility to change people, just to love them enough to point to the one who can. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, would you? Looking at my watch, but now I don't remember what time I'm supposed to stop. So, Pastor Tom will wave at me when I'm done. We're there? Stand to your feet with me, please. I thought I turned an alarm on my phone, but I must, I must not have. 109,000 people die every day and go to hell. 169,000 people die every day, and two thirds of the world don't know Jesus. So, 109,000 people die every day without hearing me, without knowing Him. I haven't got time to do anything but pray for you. But bear this in your heart. You are the light that can change that. We can do it again. Would you raise your hands to heaven? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I lift up this congregation of people before you. I thank you that your Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth is at work right now in every heart, mind, and soul in this building. Bringing to their forethought where they can be light. The people that they can touch. The lives that they have the opportunity to change. The gifting and calling is being called forth right now in the name of Jesus. You are the light of the world. I release the glory and grace of that upon you to make a difference in every situation you go into. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful name, I release you in authority and power to be the light. God bless you.